Hello everyone and welcome to Flawless, a music podcast. Unfortunately, George Grant and I were unable to get together this fortnight to record, which means we will not have a new episode for you. Instead, we thought we'd share some of our bonus episodes. They're posted over on our Patreon page, so if you'd like access to our full range of bonus apps, you can check us out at patreon.com slash flawlessamp. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy this clip show of bonus episodes, and we'll see you next fortnight with a brand new episode. See you then. Hello, our lovely Patreon backers, and welcome to the second ever bonus episode of Flawless. Uh, the format of this bonus episode is going to be a challenge. So I set out a challenge for everybody in the uh, Flawless, my two Flawless co-hosts and also our special guest, Andrew Stafford, has joined us once again. Thank you, Andrew. Pleasure to be here. So the challenge that I laid down for everybody was I wanted to know your top three first tracks on albums. So one track per album. What are the top three songs that really get you going right off the bat? So Grant, let's start with you. What's your first, we're going to go around the table. So what's your first nominated choice for a first album on first song on an album? I'd go uh, Led Zeppelin or Led Zeppelin 2 of 1969 um, album uh, song being Whole Lot of Love. Absolutely classic from the opening riff, you know, this is going to rock and as uh, white male, straighty 180, <laughs> this is me. I heard this in, um, I actually heard it off Remasters, which is yep. a compilation initially and um, would have been early 2000s and I was just blown away. Couldn't believe it wasn't done in 1969. Thank you. Hey, it's George. Uh, so I'm going to go for Brisbane based band Confidence Man. Mm -hmm. uh, the opening track or where she sings, I must confess. I've been sleeping with your ex because I heard he was the best, I must confess. That's Try Your Luck by Confidence Man. And I was introduced to it by a bunch of young people that I employed um, <laughs> who played it to me in the shop that I owned. And I went, holy crap, what is this? This is awesome. I want to own it. So Confidence Man, Try did, Your Luck. Did you listen to the whole album? Whole album, through and, and through. Yeah. Yeah, it is beautiful. And it is two very, very plucky young people. Yeah coming forth with some very very interesting tracks because when, when i laid down <laughs> the challenge we all, we all had to try and apply our own set of qualifiers because it's very hard to pick three standalone mm -hmm. songs to do this for yep. so when i used to have a radio show i did a whole episode for two hours on great first tracks and that i couldn't fit half of what i wanted to on that so to cut it down to three was a bit of a killer yeah so what qualifiers did you use to, when you were cutting down to pick just three it was the visuals of my team of people who are like 10 years younger than me who just stopped there and started wiggling their asses to <laughs> I must confess <laughs> da, da, and uh, introducing me to confidence man I was like how have I not heard this before this is electronic plucky bolshy pop evil awesomeness and it's hitting me in the face and I was like yeah that's why I thought that is a really interesting opening track for an album by a young band for the on their debut album yeah. why would they do that why not yeah and, and they set the scene for who they were and they hold no punches because we talked about brave debuts before so it'll be the <sighs> like the, the opening line of your opening album being I mean, I've been having sex with your ex. That's pretty I, out there. I've been sleeping with mm. the ex because I heard he was the best. Yeah. Like, yep, there's a woman <laughs> owning it going, yep, why not? So cool. I heard it uh, and it was like a bunch of 20-year-olds told, like, told me to listen to it. And I went, I can see why. Nice. So I, uh, that's why I chose that song. Cool. Andrew, your first nomination. There are so many great opening songs on great opening records that I kind of copped out and went for the <laughs> no, you went, you easy went rock mm. geek classic route and my first selection is A Hard Day's Night by The Beatles. It's been a
I've not all... heard that one before. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all in that opening chord that everyone has tried <laughs> to figure out <laughs> ever since. <laughs> and I guess right from the moment that you hear that opening chord, obviously I wasn't around at the time. I was born in 1971, but... Look, imagine what it would have been like to be present when you hear that opening chord for the first time. Mm. And then, it's been a hard day's night. And you know that this is something that's entirely new and entirely Mm. fresh. And and at this stage, the Beatles have been around for... This is 1964, 65? They've been around for a a couple of years. And Beatlemania is in full swing. And this is when it goes completely over the top. Mm. And you, as a live song as well, you were just... You can imagine in a show just hitting that note and just the whole crowd just losing their shit. Yeah. Well, they used to have such tiny uh, like speakers and amps on stage that if you weren't in the front row, you couldn't hear them anyway. No, you'd be drowned out by the screams. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really funny. The equipment was then was not what it is now. Yes, exactly. Nice work. Cool. So my first nomination is by a band from Denmark called Kashmir, Mm. who used to be called Nirvana. (laughs) <laughs> and we're actually around before Nirvana, and I then when Nirvana, and then when Nirvana got big, they were like, "All right, we need something else. Let's call ourselves after a Led Zeppelin song, Cashmere." Cashmere. Um, so it is Rocket Brothers from their album Zitalites. Number 33 in the Danish single chart. So um, sometimes I love bands who you can tell, or sometimes it's funny when bands, English is not their first language, but they sing in English anyway, and you're like, ah, you've, you've learned English off the radio, or you don't quite have it. But these guys just have it. Like, the English is not their first language. They do mostly perform in, in Danish and sing in Danish. But this album and a couple, the couple after it all in English, and it's just the beautiful lyrics all the way through. And it's just that really slow build. So it's just like the gentle melody at the start. And then they're bringing in some sort of choirs and choruses behind them and that sort of stuff. And then it really sort of takes off all, just keeps lifting all the way through, all the way through. And then it's that crescendo towards the end and then just dips out at the end and just comes back to the really soft parts again. So I really loved it. And the whole album is really good. So the qualifier that I put on myself was that uh, I wasn't going to nominate anything where I was going to nominate the album as being flawless later. So. I, and I was the same. Well, in so, the low, yeah. <laughs> low. So that, so this, so yeah, my three are going to be. So this one, so Zitalites is really good, but I wouldn't call it floral. So that's why. But I love the first three songs are just amazing. So awesome. check those out. Okay, Grant, we're back around to you. Back Number around two. to me. Number two, talking about revolution. Don't you know? Talking about a revolution sounds whisper. Don't you know? Talking about a revolution sounds like a whisper. While they're standing in the welfare lines, crying at the doorsteps of those armies of salvation, wasting time. 1988 album by Tracy Chapman, self titled. Um, Fast Car did make it to um, South Africa mm-hmm. at that time, um, which is interesting, I suppose, on reflection. I definitely had, had heard that. I would have bought this early 90s, however, um, even even maybe potentially late late 90s. Great, great um, opening guitar riff and an amazing mm. voice. Yeah. Just an amazing voice. And talking about things that as a privileged white male, which I was, I'd never heard of what is a welfare line. Like, I don't know this stuff. Really. Yeah. I'm that, like, privileged. And, and that there's this whole entire life. And, and it is about suffering and poverty and, 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 and that sort of um, adversity. The whole album in and of itself has got, talks about um, these real social challenges. So, um, but beautiful voice, classic chords, and, and um, great, certainly opening two tracks. Is it flawless? I have to think about whether I propose this as a yeah. flawless album. But talking about revolution, Tracy Chapman. And isn't it wonderful when a piece of art uh, is not only supremely enjoyable to listen to or view or observe or whatever, but also you feel like you've learned something. 
Mm. Mm. Yeah, you feel like cool. that you've, you've been changed for, for, for sure. engaging with it. Absolutely. Which leads us nicely onto my choice, which is uh, Skunk and Nancy with the song <laughs> called <laughs> Yes, It's Fucking Political. By that tease, political. So your dirty, guilty brains make your body smell of maize. So abortion, your slick mink, political. Yes, it's fucking political. Everything's political. Yes, it's fucking satirical. Everything's satirical. So they became famous the year before with a song called Week and everyone knew it and it was all like a really big hit. But the lead singer is a woman called Skin. Skin. She's a very tall, slim, black woman, English and queer. And this whole opening at song. Bold. Uh, yes, yeah, Skinhead. Mm-hmm. So it goes by Skin, Skinhead. Um, and she has... Uh, wrote this entire song about racism, about how everything is political, about how it's all satirical and and desperate and how you have to acknowledge it all because they've just become really famous and they've opened their set like their second album like big thing after they've become super famous with a song called yes it's fucking political in order to punch 1996 in the face um and it made a massive difference and people really listened and she spits those lyrics huh Absolutely, she talks about so your dirty, guilty braids and your body smell of mace. Like, just by being black with cornrows means that you've been maced by the police. Like, mm-hmm. that you can't get away from the fact it's political. So, you were talking about revolution, and like back in 88, 88, 96, she's still doing it, mm-hmm. she's just getting a bit more pissy <laughs> so yeah so that's why in many ways a skinny cat yeah so that's why i brought that song as an opener because it really punched me in the face as a privileged white girl in 96 i'm going to continue on this theme uh this was originally going to be the third song but i am going to now nominate r-e-s-p-e-c-t by miss aretha franklin <laughs> track on I Never Loved a Man the Way I Love You mm-hmm. uh, and again I'm taking that uh, classic rock uh, soul path at this point and again it's like everything changes now mm-hmm. and in this in this case we have uh, the greatest soul singer of all time a black woman inverting the meaning of uh, possibly the greatest male soul singer of all time Otis Redding taking his song and turning it into a feminist anthem mm. and uh, and much more besides with that enormous groove that uh, that brings it into life. I think it's Booker T and the MGs, a back, backing band at, at that stage. Mm. No idea, but uh, yeah, probably. Absolutely incredible. Needs no introduction to most people. Probably mm. doesn't need a whole lot more explanation either. It's just, it's all in that end. R-E-S-P-E-C-T, find out what it means to me. Yeah. But it's, yes. a, it's also that thing about, you hear it talked about sometimes, is like how low the bar is set for men. Like, she doesn't want everything, just wants a little bit of respect. The tiniest, <laughs> you can have all my money, and all I want in return is the tiniest <laughs> little bit. It's like, no, Aretha, no, keep your money. Fuck that guy. Just piss him off, keep the money. Who cares about his respect? But yeah, like that bar is like, it's not, it's set so low. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly in that time, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. That's awesome. Cool. So, my second song is a danceable bop. 
by the Yeah Yeah Yeahs called Zero. Yeah, it is! Mm. I'm not, I don't know a huge amount about the Yeahs. I've seen them once and I know a little bit about them. But they were, up until this point, they, they were still a little bit of electronic stuff, but they were mostly a rock band. They were mostly drums, guitars, and Karen out on front. And I've had so many bands make the trip to synth-based stuff and just lose their edge. And instead, somehow Yeahs actually gained an edge. They somehow managed to go more out there and more into their space by having these like those dark, punchy, synthy riffs all the way, like that song. And it's, it's like a three-part build-up as well. So it just starts off with just a synth and her singing. And then it brings it a little bit of a drum. And then she pauses everything out. And then it's like that's a big hit of the drum as well. So just like this perfect house song that you would love to play, like perform, um, dance live to and all the way through. I love it. If I was 2% Karen O when I was on stage, yeah. I'd be like the happiest person ever. Yeah. It's just so like, yeah. Like I... I I have seen them live and I'm sure they must have played it because it was after it came out but I would love to just be down in a mosh pit just for this song just to <laughs> bounce around it would be so cool awesome Grant Mark on self-titled album 1991 opening track is Walking in Memphis mm-hmm. put on my blue suede shoes and I boarded the plane touched down in the land of the Delta Blue in the middle of the pouring rain WC handy Won't you look down over me Yeah, I got a first class ticket But I'm as blue as a boy can be Then I'm walking in Memphis Just walking with my feet ten feet off a beam Walking in Memphis But do Um, I'll, it's an interesting one. I'm not sure when I first heard it. I'm, I probably was at, at boarding school. I finished in 1992, which would have, I, mean, I would have heard, heard it very um, sparingly. Absolutely love it. Opening with from with the piano through to his voice um, and the story that he tells, which is really this um, mission to go into um, Elvis Presley's um you know, house, he visits Elvis and he sees the ghost and he ends up singing gospel in a, in a church somewhere or something, some words to that effect. Um, beautiful voice, awesome story and beautiful piano. The piano line on that is just yeah, awesome. timeless. The, the fact that it was covered by sure one day I'll get over. <laughs> um, but maybe, you know, that's testament to how good a song it was. Um, she didn't do the best of jobs in yeah. the late 90s, was it? Um, covering it, so that was that's my third. Cool. What are you talking about? That was a classic. <laughs> do, do you drop this? Uh, anyway, fair enough. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to move over to a song that makes me cry. Coat of Many Colors yeah. by Miss Dolly Parton. Back through the years, I go wandering once again. Back to the seasons of my youth. I recall of rags that someone gave us and how my mama put the rags to use there were rags of many colors but every piece was small and I didn't have a coat and it was a way down in the fall mama sewed the rags together so in every piece we loved she made my coat of many colors that I was so proud of 
so nice. Oh my goodness. So this was the opening track of her song of her album called Coat of Many Colors in 1971 and this is one of the most heartfelt songs that she's ever written and it was literally about how dirt poor she was back in the when she was a kid and somebody gave her family a bag of rags and her mother turned all of these multicolored rags into a coat that she could wear for school because she couldn't get there because it was cold and she had no money for clothing and she's just written the song in ode to her mother about how the kids picked on her but she knew the story of Joseph from the Bible and she tried to tell the kids but they still picked on her anyway and she says that you're like like you're people that are rich and people that are poor you're only poor if you believe you are and she believed that she was rich because of the love her mother sewed with every stitch and so the original coat has gone awry um, in over the years, but in Dollywood uh, that she created over in America, um, her mama made her a new coat to put on display. Nice. But this song is just one of the most heartfelt, touching, beautiful, and really daring to have as an opening track. Mm. Uh, when she was already famous, people loved her and everything else, and she was the Dolly, and she had the big hair and the big boobs and everything else. But she decided to come out with Coat of Many Colors as the opening track of this album and it's just one of the most beautiful things and it still makes me cry on a bus george i thought you were dead inside yeah <laughs> she said that you fib i'm occasionally dead inside it depends <laughs> on the medication uh but yeah but this but that's how, testament to how freaking emotional that bloody song gets me <laughs> dolly hits me in the feels every time on that one i'm like she was just, she was so poor but she believed she was rich because her mama made it oh man <sighs> Take it away. Speaking of, <sighs> well, Andrew. I uh, I've still got my Captain Obvious cloak on, <laughs> cape, and uh, my final nomination is "Like a Rolling Stone" by Bob Dylan. Once upon a time, you dressed so fine, threw the bumps of dime in your prime. Then you. Say beware, doll, you're bound to fall You thought they were all Kidding you You used to Laugh about Everybody that was Hanging out Now you don't Talk so loud Now you don't Seem so proud Uh I think Bruce Springsteen used the line that the uh, the snare shot that kicks the whole thing off was like a doorway being kicked open in yeah. your mind <laughs> uh, when he was inducted, when Dylan was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I think. And uh, look, I mean, many people regard it as the greatest song of all time. Uh, I dare anyone to argue with them. It's pretty easy to make a case <laughs> for it, and it's pretty damn hard to make a case that it's not at least pretty damn close. Yeah. And again, uh, similar to my earlier two nominations, uh, right from the off, you know, things change now. The culture yeah, changes correct. now. Yeah. That, that's been the theme of the three songs that I've chosen. And, you know, if I'd kept to that theme and, and you know, you could have could have nominated Anarchy in the UK by the Sex Pistols, sure. uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit, The Message by Grandmaster Flash, all of these songs, and they're all opening songs, by the way, of their respective records on oh, no, Anarchy in the UK wasn't I tell a lie but the message is one of the best songs ever absolutely yeah and all of these songs uh, that I that I have chosen and the ones that I'm just quickly referencing now they have the same thing at this point you know there's a dividing line here the culture mm -hmm. has changed right at this moment yeah mm -hmm. um, Titus Andronicus who we've covered on the podcast before on their not most recent the one before that they do a version of um, like a Rolling Stone but inverted where he sings it from the first person so it's how do I feel when I've got no direction and I'm lost like a Rolling Stone and stuff? So not comparable, but an interesting way to take a song and sort of tweak it around a little bit, which is really cool. Yeah. So we're your puppets, Liam. Sorry? We're your puppets. You made us... I made. I challenged you all and you've done excellent work. I think this is... I'm going to share the Spotify playlist with everybody because we have a Spotify playlist for this, so it's going to be great. So the last song and my number one opening song of all time. So I could have... Of all I, time? I didn't know it was of all time. I could have ranked my three... That I've gone through mine in order, three, two, one. So my number one opening song of all time is by Muse and it's called Newborn. So it is 
so the Muse's first album came out and it was really big and I really loved it and I was sort of obsessed with it at the time and we may talk about it later. Um, and then the first single from this came out, which was Bliss, which was really cool. But it's always that you're always not sure about that second album. It's like, what's going to happen? Are they, have they still got it? Have they still picked up, you know, what makes them special, that sort of stuff. And this track opens up the album and it's just it's that tinkling piano melody and it's back and forth. And you can hear him um, breathing in. He does so, I don't know, I haven't really paid a lot of attention to this on songs before, but he breathes in before each line and you can hear that in the line. So they've deliberately kept that in there. Okay. And then there's that pause and then the fucking guitar riff just kicks into it like a like we talked before, like kicking into it like a building. And so I had no idea this was coming and I've got the headphones on and then there's suddenly there's this riff that's just destroying my ears and it's just so beautiful and so powerful and then it sort of just the riff stops and then the whole rest of the song kicks off and it's just driving and it's fast and it alternates piano and um, guitar so on when he plays it live he plays both parts he's got the guitar around him sits down at the piano plays the piano bit as soon as the piano bit ends he stands up starts wailing on the guitar and it's just an amazing Mr. opening Matt track. Bellamy. Mr. Matt Bellamy, who we will talk about his awesome skills. Because at I've a later met date. them, so oh, why not? George, every time I nominate an English band, you've met them. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that I'm was my. I'm surprised you didn't do Sunburn. Why no? Because Sunburn's on the album. I'm going to nominate. Ah! So oh, insider <laughs> scoop, yeah. yeah. Okay. There we oh, go. We're going to get the piano rock out. I yeah. Like it. <laughs> so thank you everybody for participating in my challenge. And uh, thank you to all our Patreon backers. You are awesome as always. And we love all of you, each and every one of you equally. Thank you very much for listening and we will see you next time. Hello, Patreon backers, you beautiful people. You are here for a bonus episode. For this episode, I set the challenge for everyone to bring forward a one-hit wonder that we all got to listen to and we're going to talk about. So... Who would like to go first of Grant and Liam? I'm happy to. Let's go. Let's dance. So let's, let's dance. dance. Which, well, which is not the song. We're all three of them, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, we are. We, we are, just, actually. Can I just preface this with the fact that Please. of the One Hit Wonders, we went fully European. Uh, as you'll find out, we have oh. gone Danish, German, and French. So let's start with the German, Grant. And yes, I'm not. However, fully appreciate the 1983-1984 release by Nina on the same self-named album, single being 99 Red Balloons. Come on, people. Listen to it. Love it. You've danced to it. You know you have. Uh, <laughs> hell go. yeah, I have. Of course I've danced Wowzers. to this song. I this have... even made it to the so-called dark continent. And the reason why I brought it up as the largest one-hit wonder is from the vaguest of memories around the end of the century, 1999-2000, I believe... That 99 Red Balloons, the English version, to be clear, which was released a not year later in 94, not the original German version. Uh, 1984, the English version, 
that version was nominated or forgive me was voted or acknowledged as the most requested song in South African radio for the 1900s now accepting that you know radio has only been around since Marconi made it in the whenever that was but this was the song at the turn of the century that was the most requested song on all of the radio shows in South Africa. That, is, that is actually the most amazing fact I think I've ever heard. <laughs> um, and I might, I might even put that as one of those like uh, Zoom quizzes that all my mates are doing right now, where they're like, which song was number one requested in South Africa in the whole of 99? I'm totally putting that forward. Thank you. Well, there we go. So apparently the Australians and the Americans preferred the original non-English version. Luftballon. Mm. Sure. And it reached number one, um, according to Cashbox and the Kent Music Report. I don't know if they've got any relevance anywhere now. Number two in the Billboard Hot 100, Behind Jump by Van Halen. So, I mean, these are, this is a massive song. It was a mm. massive, massive song. Um, the English version chopped the charts in the UK, Canada, Ireland, and was number three on Springbok Radio in South Africa at the time. Thanks very much, everyone. There it is. <laughs> Over and out. You never asked, Signing off. Did you ask if we'd heard of it before? Had you ever heard or danced anything of 99 Red Balloons or Lufthansa or whatever it is? Declare your... De- what was how your back um, speak now or ever or forever hold your peace, Liam? <laughs> um, I've obviously heard of it. I don't think I've ever danced to it. I, don't, I haven't danced because most of what I dance to is live bands. So, and I have not seen Nina, sure. 1983's Nina, German NDW band. I don't know what NDW <laughs> stands for. No, new new dark wave or something. Sure. Um. So no. So I knew the song. Um, very well. Obviously, love, you know, just maybe a bit more of a lounge room dance to it when it comes up. It's used in one of my favorite shows, um, Scrubs. So they oh. use it. There's a point where they use, um, they've got two German characters in the in the hospital and they can't, they don't speak English. So they're having trouble communicating with them. And the main character goes, I wonder how I could connect to these Germans. And next thing, 99 Luftballons is playing and there's 99 red balloons in his hospital room and they're all dancing around and throwing the balloons up in the air, which is really cool. I um, remember so yeah. that episode. Oh, yeah, don't. And I love it, Scrubs. But anyway, the Germans. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Know it. Love it. Very cool song. Um, I think this was probably the one of the times I actually sat down and listened to it. I didn't realize, like, the tempo goes up and down so much. Like, it's in, in yeah. the German version, it starts off really soft and then picks up for the, vocal, for the chorus and then slows right down for the verse again. I don't think I'd even really... I think I only knew, like, the chorus. So, yeah. Interesting. Definitely Good. hadn't heard, any, didn't know anything else about any of the bands. So definitely a one hit. And do you know what it's about? Um, the, the, the from re, my research, it's the um, obviously ninety nine balloons in the air triggering triggering an apoc- apocalyptic overreaction by forces in the in essence Cold War stuff. Where yeah, it was a fingers was up. So afraid, yeah. Fingers up to the Cold War. It was like it was. It was, yeah. a, it was actually a really heavily political song about the overreaction mm. of um, the bureaucrats and military and everything to just simple balloons mm. flying in the sky and just to yeah. say like you know up yours, <laughs> which I thought, and then it turned into just... the song that's played at every wedding, like and every like school disco and everything ever since ever since nineteen eighty. So like I knew of it probably in the womb because um i wasn't oh. born when this came out so uh yeah i think like i probably heard it in the womb was the first time and then i've heard it continuously for the rest of my life so it's a cracking song really enjoy it i did at one point try to learn the german because i was studying german at school did not do a good mm-hmm. job didn't go yeah so you had a go though i had good I, for having a go. give it a try so uh yeah, yeah. awesome so uh, that's a really um, epic track to choose so well done Thank you. Awesome. Uh, Liam, did you have anything to add on 99 Luftballon? No. So, Nunen Junzig Luftballon. So, they obviously don't say 99. They say Nunen Junzig Luftballon. There you go. So, we've got we've Done. got stats. We've got info. That's awesome. So, uh, Liam, you bought yeah. a one-hit wonder. I did. I had, I had trouble... <laughs> Drilling down on a one-hit wonder, 
because often one hit wonder is used as a derogatory term by like a lot of people who I know who listen to music, but a bit more casually, just go, oh yeah, they're a bit of one hit wonder. Whatever happened to them, eh? They had no like. People assume that everything was terrible if it was done. Everything else was terrible if it was done by a one hit wonder. But I've got quite a few bands in my catalogue of bands that I really like, and a few that I would nominate as having flawless albums, who most people would consider to be a one hit wonder. So I, I kind of didn't want to pick anybody who someone might out there might go, hang on, that out, they actually put out a full album and it was really great. Um, so, but then in the end, I had to pick. So somebody. you just didn't want to hurt feelings, okay? I didn't mm. want to hurt anybody's feelings, and, and yeah. I didn't want to go. I didn't want someone to go. Oh, that idiot Liam. He doesn't know what he's talking about. This album's great. So, but I did go with someone who definitely had like a one big international single hit, and then didn't get a lot of anything else even close to that level. Even though I did buy the album. So I've nominated uh, the 1994 song by Danish rapper Lucas Sikon called "Lucas with the Lid Off." as the lead single from his album Lucas Centric so it's uh, Lucas with the lid off by Lucas from Lucas which is yes annoying annoying as hell uh, a lot of Lucas's is a lot of Lucas and yeah. it's all about him Luca announcing yeah. himself yes it is his launch although it's his, it, it is his second album but it is his launch single announcement to the world sort of thing so it's a lot of ragtime jazz with a bit of reggae stuff um, it features a sample from the 1935 Benny Goodman song When Buddha Smiles uh, It was a hit in the US Reached number 29 on the Billboard Hot 100 And number 22 on the Billboard Modern Rock charts Most successful here in Australia Where it reached number 15 And uh, also got in the top 40 in Canada, Iceland, New Zealand And the United Kingdom Goodness. So yeah it doesn't. He doesn't sound I guess I don't know whether being from Denmark Whether English would be his second language But it doesn't really sound like it Like sometimes you can tell no. With people singing that English is their second language, but this didn't really feel like it at all. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a really yeah, fun song. I didn't song. know he was Danish until I researched him. So, yeah. Mm. And he was nominated, this this video was nominated for a Grammy for best music video. It was because it was directed by the mighty all-time great video clip director, Michelle Gondry. Also ah. incredible movie director as well. You should check his stuff out. So yeah, nominated for the Grammy Awards. Um it's a single shot, one long continuous take with no edits, cuts, or digital enhancement, which you often get when they do long tracking film clips as a single take. You'll often get a little pieces where you can see where they would have cut it, and that's just because they'll get a good part in one take and a different, like a different part will in a different take will be good, so they'll just cut them together. But this one was just straight up. They did it, I think I read they did it like 21 times or something. Uh, they only managed to get through the whole sequence seven because it's a huge... Like it's a mm. huge set piece, um, and of the seven, one of them was just fine. So one of them was what they wanted. So they ended up using it. Uh, it was beaten out by the Rolling Stones' "Love Is Strong," which is basically um, them and a couple of characters supercut so that they seem like they're really big and everyone else seems really small. So I'm going to say robbed by the Rolling Stones' "Love Is Strong," sure. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Michelle and Lucas should definitely have taken it. Home. So I'd literally never heard this song before. No, me right. neither. Okay. Literally never. never. Like, I was just like, first of all, I've never heard the song. Second of all, Liam put this forward? Yeah. <laughs> mm, yeah. Like, Heart well, complex. Is, so, curveball. So this was the one, one of those ones, like I said, where it wasn't, I didn't want to do something that was like, oh, yeah, this guy's were a one-hit wonder. But also I bought all 10 of their albums and they're all fantastic and I love this band and they should never be called a one-hit wonder. So I wanted to get somebody that, yeah, most people would agree. And so I do actually have the album, Lucas Centrix, because it, a couple of years later, I would find myself with, um, actually about five years later, I'd find myself with disposable income and it would have been about $5 on eBay. So I grabbed it and I do not remember anything about it and it is no longer in my iTunes. So I couldn't tell you anything about it <laughs> except that I bought it. And none of it was at the level of Lucas with the little. That's but amazing. Yeah, I think it makes me wish that more people did more overt jazz, hip hop crossovers. 
Well, they, there was a whole G-Funk stuff happening on the other coast at the same time. Yeah. There was like mm-hmm. loads of G-Funk stuff happening. And then he's got like like scat and fun and like yeah. ragtime and whatever. And that's kind of cool with double bass, like a bit of double bass. Yeah. So um, yeah right so. in the middle, it cuts out so that it's just the drums and the stand-up bass and him rapping over that. It's so cool. Yeah. And lyrically, it's all like who I am. You know, like yeah, I'm Lucas. It's pretty, pretty standard stuff in that I'm, space. I'm so Lucas, and this is on yeah. called Lucas with the lid off, and it's on an album called Lucas Centric, uh, which I'm yeah. probably putting out out on my own record label called Luca Luca. <laughs> so uh, yeah, uh, it was really fun, really fun to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, do you Whatever know? Bubbles, you know that up. he's totally like a super duper producer now. Oh, okay. Cool. Yes. Did, he's did like, he's that. a producer for that. people like Pussycat Dolls, Britney, Moss Dev, yes. and all sorts. He's oh, like, right. he is a Christina, roller. Yeah, Carly, Christina. Tony Braxton. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's a roller. Like, you doing, he doing more research on my guys than I am. Well, he, he was just like, oh, maybe the album, maybe, maybe I had a one hit wonder. What else could I do? Yeah. Um, and uh, he comes from a musical family as well. So um, he just went. Screw it! I'm gonna be a producer, I guess, and uh, is a cracking one by the sounds of it to work with all those people. Yeah, cool. Cool, George. Hello. Un- unveil your one-hit wonder. Unveil. So we've had the Danish and we've had the German. Uh, now we're going to go to France. Why not? Uh, so I brought forward a song. Now this is kind of difficult because I say you say one-hit wonder as if it's a really, as Liam was saying, it's a real struggle to say. But I'm, I chose um, La Ritonelle by Sebastian Tellier. Because even though he is a very extremely accomplished um, musician and and producer and has done entire soundtracks to movies and he's toured with bands all over the world this and the other and he's done incredible things when you look at the lineup of his songs this one on spotify alone comes up with 27 million listens and his next one comes up with like 8 million listens so it doesn't you know by standards it's kind of a one-hit wonder in itself because this is the one that people go, oh, you like Sebastian Tellier. How good is La Ritonelle? Um, and everyone goes. So I made you listen to a song, mm. a single, which is seven minutes and 34 seconds long. <laughs> Quite a yes. long one. And when, is it, when does the singing actually start? At the four-minute mark. <laughs> That's right. And it's only for 45 seconds as well. There we go. Yeah. But I thought you'd appreciate this, Grant, because this one had strings and you are an accomplished violinist. Um, So... uh, Was. Yeah. No. Sure. Shush. You never learn that skill. Uh, Unlearn that skill. Um, So... For me, this is a song that I have gone to since 2005 when it was released. So he's French, um, he, he makes electronic music and he makes uh, really beautiful stuff. So a lot of this is samples, a lot of this is um, synthesizers and everything um, all to create the soundscape. Um, but it's just a really very desperately romantic, beautiful song. And as you pointed out, for the first four minutes, it's just the drums playing against the strings and the piano so the piano and drums are kind of repeating themselves and then the strings are having conversations and building it up and Mm. up and up and they're ramping it up really emotive very layered until it gets to the point where the lyrics kick in which I'm pretty sure are close to being my actual wedding vows when I finally getting around to getting married because they are so beautiful now did you look at the lyrics not that closely no no okay so not that closely, i'm correct. gonna quickly mention quickly run this run this through because they're not long nothing's gonna change my love for you i want to spend my life with you and we make love in the grass under the moon no one can tell damned if i do forever journeys on golden avenues i drift in your eyes since i love you i got that beat in my veins only for one rule love is to share mine is for you so i'm like 
So beautiful. Love is to share. It is very nice. Mine is for you. And then bass line with vocals. Uh, then it's just such a beautiful love song. And then it goes, <laughs> that's the only lyrical part of the whole thing. And he's a French man writing English. So it's not perfect English, uh, which almost makes mm. it prettier. And then it goes back into the final like minute and a half of um, just the strings and everything fading out to the point where it's just, you're complete with this like beautiful love song so that's why i brought it forward but yeah as i said like this song has been used in multiple tv shows like ugly betty mm. gossip girl and various other things like that um it was in enemy it was in their top 150 songs in the last 15 years when they put that forward um and it's uh it has won like awards and stuff for just being a really beautiful song um, and he is a person he's got a great biography of stuff that he's done so it's kind of like a one hit wonder but also he's not really because he's still releasing music and it's still really good but it as far as when i speak to any of my friends who are into like french electro and everything like that they always go back to sebastian tellier laritonel so what was your first right. liam what was your first impression yeah so my first impression was when you told me the name, I'm like, I've never heard of this song or this guy. Yes. And I was, I was, I did have a quick read before I had listened to it. And it was like you said, it's, it's been used in movies. It's been used on um, sports TV programs, which I watch a lot of. It's been on TV programs, not ones that I've watched going through that list. But yeah, I was, it's one of those things where evidently this has just slipped me by somehow. And like stuff slips me by now. It's like, yeah, because I don't listen to a lot of, sort of popular stuff or what's out there now but in 2004 i was all over that stuff so i i do not know how this slipped me by but it did um so yeah really liked it nice the big cool epic cinematic sweeping stuff i um i really like the drumming really stood out for me and then i looked up and it's like yeah it's a really well-known jazz drummer uh tony allen mm -hmm. so yeah really liked the drumming in it um yeah really cool song awesome grant what did you Great think song yeah, I think it's a, it's an epic one. Um, ne never, well, you know, it's been on so many tracks and in closing so many movies, I think that you go, oh, I've heard this before, I just don't know where. And having waited, it was frustrating to a degree, I suppose, almost four minutes until the, until there's any, any singing, there's 45 <laughs> seconds worth of it. Um uh, but the piano, I suppose, and snare drum, I thought it, was, it could be another instrument, but, but to start was fantastic. And then I've got at the end, strings, strings, strings. And I like that it ends by removing the, the instruments. I suppose it, it's just, you know, it's one, one, one instrument section drops off and then another one and then another one. So, um, yeah, great track. Great track. Cool. So we've all brought some European... Like we didn't even deliberately do it, but we had all brought some. No. We brought incredibly different songs for our yeah. one here wonders um, from different genres and from different European countries. But it's still all within that what you describe, I guess, as electronica, electronic mm. music. In some way, yeah, it's kind of mm. fun. Well done, us. Yeah. Yay. Well done, well done team. Us. We're, we're a super team. I love it. So we'll have another <laughs> challenge next time, Patreon backers. Anything further to add, Liam? Nope. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Anything to add, Grant? Nope. Thank you, music lovers. Yeah, I love the way you do that. So... <laughs> thank you patreon backers you are a beautiful group of people and i hope you enjoy this bonus episode with love from all the flawless hosts hello there patreon backers you lovely patreon backers you welcome to the first ever well the first ever to be released we've recorded one but i never got around to releasing it so you're just pulling a face at me now oh <laughs> but the first ever to be released bonus episode and we're going to try and come up with a few different themes for our bonus episode. So this bonus episode is going to be a homework episode. So one of the people who's nominated an album in the past is going to give you, our lovely Patreon backers, some homework, a new song to go and find based on the album that they nominated. And so for this first ever bonus episode, Grant is going to give you your homework. Over to you, Grant. Thank you. Well... Homework I, is I'm an interesting one in, in in terms of albums nominated as well. This this is from the second album of um, the greatest rock band <laughs> that ever existed, 
being Pearl Jam uh, on <laughs> Versus, released in 1993, and it is the, the last track on the original release called Indifference. Our two, my two co-hosts here, George and Liam, have subsequently listened to this song in excess, no doubt. That's um, the wrong um, band. I think I listened to it like twice. <laughs> okay, well, look, and that's that's probably enough for you then, I suppose. <laughs> On the back of my failed attempt to get ten across the line, I have regrets. Regrets, I have a few. <laughs> Certainly pitching ten um, when I probably should have pitched verses. Everyone says you should have pitched verses. Yeah, <laughs> and there you go. So, yes, Indifference, the last song, I would say, a song of defiance, but... Guys, what are your thoughts? So, yeah, so I said, when we were setting this up, I said, pick a song from a band you've nominated, something like, you know, and then try and either tie it to it, try it, tie it to the song, the album you nominated. So why did you pick this song out of Pearl Jam's entire catalog? I thought the homework was we had to pick a song from a different album. Yes, yes. yeah, sorry. Different yeah, album. Different album, yeah, same, yeah. Different album, same artist. Yeah, different album, same artist. And I suppose it's the, the, the background is... I, I still sometimes cry myself to sleep in relation to the poor decision I made around not pitching verses as opposed to 10. This is the, the last song of um, probably, um, or certainly um, I would think maybe their better received commercially album mm-hmm. and, the, and the album that they um, probably took a bit more pride in, certainly from the research that, that came out out of, that, out of the previous podcast. And it's for mine, um, when, when Eddie asks is in the chorus how much difference does it make um he's making a statement more than anything else he's not asking a question uh for mine and it all it all makes a difference and he's like um you know the 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 lyrics around all of it is just total defiance and i'm going to keep on my way regardless of of how people feel about it and that's probably i suppose um in in verbalizing it now how I feel about 10 <laughs> and how I feel about uh, verses in and of itself. They are <laughs> flawless albums and I am, um, I'll hold a candle till it burns. You are now. indifferent to the fact that we turn them down. And that's Correct. Good, that's a good thing. Correct. And, and so I, I think in, in pitching this as, as part of the Patreon catalogue, um, the end of the second album, I am indifferent as to your guys' thoughts <laughs> yeah. around your damn opinions about 10 being a flawless album. And I probably couldn't um, have written better lyrics myself in articulating that constructively. <laughs> um, I don't think – I've seen Pearl Jam twice. I can't remember watching um, uh, Eddie sing this one himself, but I have watched uh, DVDs, for those of you that don't know what those are. Um, it's YouTube ben, for old people. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. With Ben Harper, he does a great um, does a great rendition um, mm. of this with Ben Harper um, as part of I think Live at the Garden. Because Eddie and Ben Harper have done a fair bit of stuff together. Yes, they they're well known. I yeah, not they've, know toured, that. they've toured together a bit. Yeah, yeah, I'd heard that. Yeah, uh, wow, that's as much as I'd heard that they are. That's friends like a really together, unlikely duo to me. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I guess. It, yeah, it's almost thematically i get it like politically there i think they're similar kinds mm. of people but yeah i mean musically i don't know a huge amount about ben harper except the sort of bluesy innocent criminal sort of stuff mm-hmm. cool mm. okay so you nominated indifference mm. the song correct the closing track yes and the but- lullaby to end verses i'd yeah. say I sure. it would yeah. be to wrap it up the, it's, def- the- it's definitely not one of their big power grunge songs not at all and arguably, but arguably the lyrics are more cutting hmm. and uh, and thought-provoking than a lot of the other ones on that album. For the that guitars on this sound beautiful. Some, But at first I thought it was an organ rather than, oh, okay. than a guitar. It had right. that, the way that it sounded, like the scape that it gave, it sounded more like 
some kind of really full organ sound rather than guitars. And then it took me many listens, many, many, for me to uh, listen and go, no, that's just really beautiful reverb plus maybe chorus plus whatever. And then I was running through my head, like different pedals that you might use in order to make that sound. And so it was a really welcoming, like, as I said, lullaby feel to the end assuring assure yeah musically because, and yet the lyrics are contrast that yeah of course they do yeah. it's still better <laughs> isn't it um it but yeah it's had um this one had again like the the bass was like sliding and soft and really nice and so when it came mm. to listening to it it wasn't controversial it wasn't difficult the only thing was the fact that there was a soft lullaby music with these lyrics of like, who am I? What am I? What am I doing? What's going on? Kind of what 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 difference am I making? Or and I was trying to interpret what was going on with the lyrics, but that worked quite well. Mm. I actually really liked that juxtaposition. Oh, look at us with a full... Uh, vernacular. Non- vernacular, English language. <laughs> Correct. Yes. Because <laughs> I, um, I found, I did a quick Google, and I, I really, I, I like the lyrics and I like the thematic stuff of like, is it, is it making a difference, but not in a giving up kind of way, but, you know, in almost like a, therefore we have to do more. Correct. We have to be bigger. We have well, to be stronger I've taken kind of way. Yeah. Defined. And I think a few people, when I Googled, I think most people took it that way as well. Yeah. But you can also, a lot of people have then just applied it to a scenario that they, so, you know, some people think it's about because he does a lot of charity work and charity, yeah. you know, charity work is an unending business. Like you're always going to have more stuff to do. And like, you know, so maybe people think like, you know, is he upset because all the work at his charity hasn't fixed the problem, but he's also, but he's also saying he's not going to give up. And then is it about battles with a record label? Like, you know, yeah. do you hate me? I don't care. I'm, you know, it's hard to fight a record label, but I'm going to keep fighting and I'm going to keep. So and then obviously people can also then apply that to their own scenario as well, like or their own life situation. So it's one of those really cool ones where you can take it and it's it's got an intent, but you can then apply it to any situation that you really want to apply it to, which I thought was really cool. Highly contextual, mm. massively. <clears throat> I was looking in, in researching it on, online. Um, it came out in 93, as, as I said, and some of the guys said, um, or some of the reviews are saying they'd been around for, th- for less than three years and they were big in the Nirvana, mind you, at that time. Mm. Um and they were being held as the saviors of rock and roll. At the same time, they were also being la- labeled as sellouts of the Seattle rock community. Mm. So, like, I mean, how do we win? Yeah, how do we win? So, yeah, it, I thought that was interesting. If it helps, there's like every few years you see a savior of rock and roll, and it's like rock and roll never needs saving. No, it's, it's just it's, <laughs> it, it mutates, it changes. Labels have play a role, different it things evolves. play a role, but it's always going to be there. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't mm. really need saving in the way that a savior really does it. No. I remember it was the Strokes, yes. who were going to be the saviors of rock and roll. It's like rock, rock's fine. There's, they were really good at it, but I, it didn't need saving. No. Good to dance to, not gonna lie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like this song. I was kind of, when I first listened to this song, I thought it might be a slow burn because I'm like, Pearl Jam, it's gonna be a big fuck. And, it's, and I saw it was the last song. It's like, it's gonna be a big fuck off rock ending. So it's gonna be a slow burn into a build. And I was like, I'm waiting, Eddie. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. And it never nope. happened. But then, so initial disappointment with not giving me exactly what I expected. Sure. And then I was like, okay, well, that's a super thing to be upset about because you just applied a, a requirement to something that didn't have it. So wipe that. Now listen to it properly. <laughs> so you did listen to it more than I, once, so it's all good. I said I listened to it more than once. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm just like, you know, holding, <laughs> you, uh, holding you to account. Uh, yeah, so it's cool. I, um, I really enjoyed the fact that it didn't go out there on the percussion either. It's got really paired back. It sounds like it's just like clicks on the side of a tom or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's just saying, I'm keeping you in time, guys. But... I'm not trying to take anything away from the vocals, which are the really main good. event. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Eddie, Eddie at his height. I would yeah, say. And, he, is... and he does a breadth of things in this mm. song. Like he goes from his soft and broody through to his whisperings and then into some a bit more, not quite into his belting, but definitely into his more impassioned sounds. Sure. Um, but, and so you always know it's him. Yes. You can't get away from the fact it's a Pearl Jam song. But yeah, it's a it's a very pretty song and I'm glad mm, you, thank you brought it forward. So this is Good. homework? This is homework. This is homework for everybody. So check out Pearl Jam's Indifference. It's the last song on Versus. Correct. Easily it's spelled just V-S. It's not Versus. 
Yes. V-E-R-S-E-S. Yes. So. Have a listen. Have a listen. Thank you, Patreon backers. You are awesome. Yeah, you are. you so much. If there is a single song you would like us to check out and maybe cover for a bonus episode, send us a message here on Patreon. We will have a look into it. Other than that, uh, thank you, and we will see you next time. Thank you.